Hello, I'm Karen Alvarado, co-artistic director of Thinkery and Verse, and you're listening to Decameron 2020, a storytelling podcast putting Boccaccio's Decameron in conversation with modern pandemic experiences. In the seventh story of the first day, Philostratus tells the story of a poor troubadour who uses a striking parable to reveal the ways in which the casual hubris of the rich hurts the less fortunate. It is a commendable thing, fair ladies, to hit a target that never stirs out of place. But it is a matter much more admirable to see a thing suddenly appear, never seen before, and have it as suddenly hit by an ordinary archer. The vicious and polluted lives of priests is a rich subject, deserving speech and reprehension as a true target of wickedness and well worthy to be sharply shot at. And therefore, though that honest-meaning man did wisely in touching Master Inquisitor to the quick with the hypocritical charity of monks and friars, forgiving such things to the poor as were more suited for swine or to be thrown away, yet I hold him to be more commended, who, by way of a tale which I purpose to relate, pleasantly reproved Master Candela Scala, a magnifico and mighty lord, for a sudden and unaccustomed covetousness which appeared in him, figuring by other men in manner following. Master Can de la Scala, as fame ran abroad of him in all places, was, beyond the infinite favors fortune gave him, one of the most notable and magnificent lords that ever lived in Italy since the days of Frederick the Second Emperor. He was determined to bring together a very distinguished assembly with him at Verona, and many people met there from diverse places, especially gentlemen of all degrees. But suddenly, upon what occasion I know not, his mind altered, and he would not go forward with his intention. Most of them he partly recompensed, which had come there, and all dismissed to depart at their pleasure, only one man remained, unrespected, or in any kind sort sent away, whose name was Bergamino, a man very pleasantly disposed, and so wittily ready in speaking and answering that no one could easily credit it but such as heard him. And although his recompense seemed over long delayed, yet he made no doubt of a good ending. By some enemies of his, Master Candela Scala was incensed, that whatsoever he gave or bestowed on them was as ill-employed and utterly lost as if it were thrown into the fire, and therefore he neither did nor said anything to them. Some few days being passed over, and Bergamino perceiving that he was neither called nor any account made of, notwithstanding many manly good parts in him, and observing besides that his money was being shrewdly consumed, his inn, horses, and servants all being charged to him, he began to grow extremely melancholy. And yet, he attended an expectation day by day, 
as thinking it far unfitting for him to depart before he was bidden farewell. Having brought with him three goodly, rich garments, which had been given him by sundry lords for his more sightly appearance at this great meeting, the importunate host being greedy of payment, first he delivered him one of them, and yet not half the bill being wiped off, the second had to follow. If he meant to leave his lodging, he must live upon the third, so long as it would last, until he saw what end his hopes would sort to. It fortuned, during the time of living thus upon his last refuge, that he met with Master Can one day at dinner, where he presented himself before him with a discontented countenance, which Master Can, well observing, more in distaste than expecting delight in anything that could come from him, he said, Bergamino, how is your cheer? You are very melancholy, I pray you. Tell us why. Bergamino suddenly, without any premeditation, yet seeming as if he had long considered thereon, reported this tale. Sir, I have heard of a certain man named Primuso, one skillfully learned in the grammar, and beyond all other, a very witty and ready versifier. In regard whereof, he was so much admired and far renowned, that such as never saw him, but only heard of him, could easily say, This is Primuso. It came to pass that being once in Paris, in a poor estate as commonly he could come to no better fortune, because virtue is slenderly rewarded by those who have the greatest possessions, he heard much fame of the abbot of Cluny, a man reputed next to the Pope to be the richest prelate of the church. Of him he heard wonderful and magnificent matters, that he always kept an open and hospitable court, and never made refusal of any from wherever they came or went, but they did eat and drink freely there, provided that they came when the abbot was set at the table. Primuso, hearing this, and being an earnest desirer to see magnificent and virtuous men, resolved to go see this rare bounty of the abbot, demanding how far he dwelt from Paris. Being answered some three leagues thence, Primuso accounted that if he left early in the morning, he should easily reach there before the hour for dinner. Being instructed in the way, and not finding any to go along with him, Fearing, if he went without some furnishment and should stay long there for his dinner, he might perhaps grow hungry, he therefore carried three loaves of bread with him, knowing that he could find water anywhere if he drank but little. Having aptly conveyed his bread about him, he went on his journey and arrived at the Lord Abbot's court an indifferent while before dinner time, where... Entering into the great hall, and so from place to place beholding the great multitude of tables, bountiful preparation in the kitchen, and what admirable provision there was for dinner, he said to himself, Truly, this man is more magnificent than fame has made him, because she speaks too sparingly of him. While thus he went about, considering all these things, he saw the master of the abbot's household, because then it was the hour of dinner, command water to be brought for washing hands, and every one to sit down at the table. 
It fell to the lot of Primuso to sit directly against the door where the abbot must enter into the hall. The custom in this court was such that no food should be served to any of the tables until the Lord Abbot himself was first sat. Whereupon, everything being fit and ready, the master of the household went to tell his lord that nothing now wanted but his presence only. The abbot, coming from his chamber to enter the hall, looked about him as he was wont to do. The first man he saw was Primuso, who, being but in homely attire, and he having not seen him before to his remembrance, a present bad conceit possessed his brain that he never saw an more unworthy person, saying to himself, See how I give my goods away to be devoured. So, returning back to his chamber again, he commanded the door to be made fast, demanding of every man near about him if they knew the base knave that sat before his entrance into the hall. And all his servants answered no. Primuso, being extremely hungry with traveling on foot so far, and never used to fasting so long, expecting still when meat would be served in, and that the abbot came not at all, drew out one of his loaves which he had brought with him, and very heartily fell to feeding. My lord abbot, after he had stayed within an indifferent while, sent forth one of his men to see if the poor fellow was gone or no. The servant told him that he still stayed there and fed upon dry bread, which it seemed he had brought along with him. Let him feed on his own, replied the abbot, for he shall taste nothing of mine this day. Gladly would the abbot have it that Primuso should have gone from there on his own, and yet considered it unrespectable in his lordship to dismiss him by his own command. Primuso having eaten one of his loaves, and yet the abbot was not come, began to feed upon the second. The abbot, still sending to expect his absence, was answered as he was before. At length, the abbot not coming, and Primuso having eaten up his second loaf, hunger compelled him to begin with the third. When these news were carried to the abbot, Suddenly he broke forth and said, What new kind of needy trick hath my brain begot this day? Why do I grow disdainful against any man whatsoever? I have long time allowed my meat to be eaten by all comers that did please to visit me, without exception against any person, gentlemen, yeoman, poor or rich, merchant or minstrel, honest man or knave, never refraining my presence in the hall by basely condemning one poor man. Believe me, covetousness of one man's meat doth ill agree with my estate and calling. What, though he appears as a wretched fellow to me, he may be of greater merit than I can imagine, and deserve more honor than I am able to give him. Having thus discoursed with himself, 
understanding his place and station, and finding Primus so, there only to see the magnificence which he had reported of him, knowing also by the general fame spoken everywhere of him that he was reputed to be a learned, honest, and capable man, the abbot grew greatly ashamed of his own folly, and being desirous to make Primuso an amends, strove many ways to do him honor. When dinner was ended, the abbot bestowed honorable garments on him, such as beseemed his degree and merit, and putting good store of money in his purse, and also giving him a good horse to ride on, left it to his own free election whether he would stay there still with him or depart at his pleasure. Wherewith, Primuso being highly contented, yielding him the heartiest things he could devise to do, returned to Paris on horseback, though he came there poorly on foot. Master Candela Scala, who was a man of good understanding, perceived immediately, without any further interpretation, what Bergamino meant by this moral, and smiling on him, said, Bergamino, good sir, you have honestly expressed your virtue and necessities, and justly reproved my avarice, stinginess, and base folly. And trust me, Bergamino, I never felt such a fit of covetousness come upon me as this which I have dishonestly declared to you, sir, and which I will now banish from me with the same correction as you have taught me. So, having paid the host all his fees, redeeming also his robes or garments, mounting him on a good gelding, and putting plenty of crowns in his purse. Master Can left it to Bergamino's choice to depart or dwell there still with him. This story was narrated by Reagan Tankersley. Thank you for listening to this episode of Decameron 2020 by Thinkery and Verse. If you liked what you heard, you can tune into more stories from the Decameron and discussions between our storytellers right here on Buzzsprouts or wherever you download your podcasts. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts to help spread the word. For more from Thinkery and Verse, you can check us out on social media at Thinkery ampersand verse on Facebook and thinkery underscore and underscore verse on Instagram or by going to our website, thinkeryandverse.org. Thanks again for listening. Be well.